1 Peter and chapter number 2 in the Word of God. As you find your place here in the Word of God, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? 1 Peter chapter number 2. As you find your place here, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? If your health allows you to this morning, would you please stand? As we look at just several verses today, here in 1 Peter chapter number 2, would you look with me beginning at verse number 1 and watch the wording here. The Bible says, 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is, would you say that last word out loud? Gracious. Gracious. This morning I'd like to look at this passage of Scripture and preach a message entitled, A Spiritual Hunger. A Spiritual Hunger. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you have rescued sinners like all of us in this room. I am so thankful for your grace and your mercy. As hundreds in this room would agree. Because we've tasted it. Father, there's not one thing behind this pulpit today that I want to do in my own flesh. Lord, I have nothing to give outside of the word of God today. Father, I ask for wisdom, strength, boldness, and compassion to preach what you'd have me to preach today. Father, I ask, Lord, that we'd be in tune for the next couple of moments. Father, help us to put away our phones for a little while. The worries of yesterday and the concerns of tomorrow, as the Word of God sits in our lap, Maybe a pen and paper, Lord, just help us to be ready to receive. Father, may none of us look around the room today as someone who needs this message, but Father, may we pray right now, God, speak to me. I need this. Father, move as only you know how to move. Savior, I love you. In your son's holy and precious name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In this passage of Scripture, there is this analogy, this illustration that is given in verse number 2 of a baby that is desiring and or wanting milk. This past Tuesday, I took a red-eye flight from the East Coast and was traveling back. And as many of you have done, traveling at night, it's a little bit more difficult as you're heading into the next day and as... The plane is very, very dark. If you want to get any work done, most people have all of their lights off. Most people are trying to sleep. And as I was trying to get a little work done, I finally turned off my light and really just trying to sink into my chair, maybe to just get, uh, you know, just get some sleep, some rest for a little bit. About two rows in front of me on the opposite side was a mom and a dad. They were a young couple and they had this newborn baby. 
And this baby would just pick the most inopportune time to start. <laughs> when I say cry, I don't mean like cry. I mean like belt. I mean like let it rip. This baby was not happy. And neither were the other several hundred customers on that flight that's listening to this one baby that is just, I mean, just crying. Well, as I'm sitting there, I have an aisle seat, and I'm watching this whole thing take place. They're basically the only ones with their book light on, and, and they're the only ones with the screaming baby. And, man, they're sitting there, and, and they begin to get in. I'm telling you, they're getting get a panic. And they're trying to give this baby toys. And, oh, look at the bear. It's okay. It's okay. Shh, you know, I'm thinking, suffocate that thing. I'm joking. And, I, and, I, and, I just, and oh, and they're trying to rock in. Shh, look, look. And the baby's pushing this away, pushing this away. And I knew they were, Dr. I just knew they were, they were new parents. And I'm not a new parent. <laughs> I'm a professional with five kids. And, and uh, yeah, I've been through those stages. I remember with Tommy, it was probably difficult. And I'd have been a panic and sweating too. But after five, you know, I just, I get it. I know. I'm a professional. I wanted to tell. I wanted to just kind of sneak up there and just be like, y your baby wants milk. Okay. I just want to tell, like, your baby wants milk. But I didn't. I thought it'd be rude. And I was going through these scenarios in my mind. And they're like, what are you doing, creeper? You know, and then security. And I get tased and I'm off the plane. But anyways, so I'm going through all these things in my head. And, and finally, and finally, after they push the bear away, after these little, th these little toys don't work, they're trying to rock her, they're up and down. Finally, I can see the mom. She's getting, she's unzipping. She's pouring the powder in. She's getting the milk. She's sticking it up. She's got it right. She puts that bottle in. Wow! And I wanted to be like, Thank you, I told you. <laughs> the baby wanted milk. It's all I want. Nothing else was going to satisfy this baby until it got what it wanted. What I love about this passage of Scripture, it feels, I feel like culturally speaking this was written just yesterday, that it's absolutely true when the Bible says here, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. The comparison here is to Christian desiring the sincere milk of the Word to grow thereby. As the baby desires milk, there is this desire that comes in the life of a Christian that you and I ought to be desiring the Word of God. But listen, tune in for just a minute, college student. Watch as I set this foundation. Have you ever wondered why people today are not, especially Christians, more hungry for the Word of God? Think about it. Think about your life personally. Do you hunger and thirst for the Word of God? When a preacher gets done preaching, do you ever have the thought, no, 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 don't stop, no, whoa, whoa, keep going, keep going, more, yeah, yeah, we want more, we want to learn more, keep, 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 keep going. Do you ever have that thought? When you jump out of chapel, the first thing, you don't grab your Bible and, and look through and just start reading, yeah, I got to get more, I got I to gotta know it, I got to learn it. No, no, I say, when you jump up, you don't, you don't desire, you know what you desire to do? You immediately reach for your purse and, and pull out your phone or you immediately reach in your pocket. As soon as you get what are you desiring to do? You desire to look at, you know, oh, I've got an Instagram notification, got a message here. Whoa, $10 coupon for eBay, uh, USA Today, oh, Twitter, you know, he tweeted. But what, what do we desire? I often wonder in this day and age, oh, why aren't Christians desiring the word of God? Well, why doesn't God's people enjoy diving into God's Word every moment they can? As college students, there ought to be a true desire for you and I to grow in the Word. Can I ask you a question this morning? Listen very carefully, watch. Why are you here? No, no, why are you here? 
May I ask you a question? Have, have, have you laid out a plan for this semester to grow? Hey, congratulations, you laid out a plan to get through the syllabus and to follow these and take your midterm and get your paper turned in. And, and you've set all kinds of goals, whether it be for working out or losing weight or plans with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Or you've already got plans for, uh, for Thanksgiving. You've got plans to go home over the winter break. You've got all these plans for Christmas. We make all these plans, but I'm just asking today, as, as a as person of man-to-man, listen now, Christian to Christian, have you had a plan this semester? to grow in your Savior? Let me ask you a question. Are you today more like Christ than you were when when you were unloading your bags in your dorm? Are you more like Him and His attributes and His attitudes and who He is? Are you more like Him? Here's usually what somebody says when, when trying to answer these questions and they, and they don't have the exact thing to say. So here's what I'm commonly hearing. And to be honest with you, it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. I don't really like these two words. If you use it, fine. I'm not going to be mad at you. But to be honest with you, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I really can't stand the words, the, the words, I'm fine. <laughs> Have you ever gotten a, those of you who are dating in here, have you ever gotten an argument with your boyfriend or girlfriend and they're mad and they're not talking to you and they're not texting and they're in this weird mood and you're like, oh, what, what's wrong? What, what's, what's going on? Just tell me what's wrong. I'm fine. <laughs> you're a liar. No, you're not. No, I'm fine. I'm good. Okay, you think it goes away when you get married, but no, it gets worse, man. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to decipher. I, I grew up with uh, seven sisters, and, and my wife is a female. I grew up with my mom raised us kids, homeschooled for 12 years. I got four daughters. I've been around women a lot. Guys, I'm just telling you, I'm helping you out right now. If your girl says, I'm fine, she's not okay, and stop trying to figure it out, you'll never figure it out. <laughs> I'm fine means... You're going to pull your hair out. <laughs> I'm fine. You're not okay. How's your spiritual? I'm fine. Do you have a plan to grow? I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> Several weeks ago, we bought these new beds at our house. Went down to this huge like, warehouse place called Ikea. It's about an hour, hour and 20 minutes away. And man, I thought Ikea was just like... <laughs> You're just like a Walmart. You walk in, you get what you need, you walk out. Oh, no, you have to follow like 18 miles of trails around all this furniture to find what you need. And then after you find what you need, you have to go into a building the size of this room and follow like these directions to pick out the different parts what you need. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't know why people like it. But anyways, we got these parts, we get home, and for now I've got to put together these beds that my wife really wanted. I don't know about you, but for me, it's a little bit frustrating putting together stuff. It's, it's, I don't know, you, you may love it, and you're like this geek that gets in there. It's like, ooh, A34 fits with J, T12, and these parts fit together. I don't like that. Okay, but anyways, uh, I, so I'm looking at these beds, and I start looking. To be honest, it's depressing, man. There's like 18 pages, and there's 150 million steps that I've got to go through. And I'm just like, you know, on the box, <laughs> there's this picture of the bed. That's what it looks like. I'm smart. I'm good. I'm just going to look at this and I'm going to put it together by looking at it. So I start literally putting this bed together. And this screw, it fits in there. It's this long. It's this strong. You know, it fits okay. And nobody's, nobody's ever going to be under the bed to see that missing screw anyway. So big deal. So it's a mattress. So literally, I'm putting this bed together. And my wife comes in and she says, how you doing? I wasn't doing okay, but I said, I'm fine. She said, oh, really? 
Because here's the directions to the bed. One of the twins came in, stinking little twins, and they took the directions out of the room. My wife knew I was putting the bed together without the directions. <laughs> oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Oh, really? Here's the directions. I was like, yeah, you know, who needs those? Hello? <laughs> I have a bachelor's degree. <laughs> Do you not know? In theology? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta write that down. It was a good one. Okay, but anyways, <laughs> so I've been together. This, I've been together this bed. I'm like, I'm, I'm going through it, and and it came to the end. And to be honest with you, Gary came in, and she's literally like, "Yeah, it, it looked good. Yeah, it looks great." And and it looked, it looked like what was on the box. But I'm telling you, I did not want anybody to sit on it, much less lay on it. Somebody's gonna die on these bunk beds. <laughs> I had about 40 screws left over, a ton of nuts. <laughs> And it's like, you know what, it'd probably be easier just to go back and to look at the directions. And, and it would have been simpler probably just to follow it. And I got to take the whole thing apart. And I did. And I had a bad attitude. I'm still bitter this day. But anyways, I went through. Now listen, before you make fun of me, can I just say this? There are many that are going to go through this message today. And you're going to have the attitude, I'm fine. We're going to look at a subject of a spiritual hunger. And you're going to have the, oh, I'm doing okay. Why? Well, because I got the Bible. But it's one thing just to have the directions, the manual, the step-by-step -step process of how to have and how to be fulfilled. It's one thing to have it and to follow it, and it's another thing just to have it there. And I believe really today in the culture, in the day and age, in this society that we're living, we have a lot of Christians that are going through the life, their life, and there's no spiritual hunger. There's no thirst for righteousness. There is no desire to grow. And, and when you ask him about it, it says, I'm fine, I'm good, you know, I got the Bible. But let me just tell you something, friend. Just because you have the Bible sitting on your lap, or just because it might be in the other room, or just because it's your textbook for the classes here at West Coast Baptist College, doesn't mean necessarily that you're in it and following the steps. If we're going to have this, this thought, this process, if you and I are going to truly, at the end of this sermon, be more like our Savior or have a spiritual hunger, then there has to be a process. And friend, the process is not just say, well, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. I'll be okay. No, no. The process is this. You and I must get back to the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God, have a final authority in our life and get back to, listen, let's just say it this way, get back to what does thus saith the Lord on these matters? Let me tell you by an amen, men or women would say, I want to have a hunger for God. Would you say amen? amen. Did you mean that? Say amen. amen. Okay, then how do you get it? Well, let, let's go to the directions today, the manual. Let's go to the word of God here for just a moment. If we're going to have that hunger, the hunger for the word, there is something that we must do first. If you're taking notes this morning, would you write this down? Number one, the giving up of sins. Number one, the giving up of sins. Look at verse number one here, this passive scripture, and watch what the Bible says. It says, wherefore, laying aside all, watch the wording here, malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all speakings. There is this laying aside, there is this break, or this complete break with sin. The dictionary defines laying as past or once and for all a complete action, not something that we do over again. It's a laying, it's a done with. 
until a person, until a Christian has made a complete break with sin in their life, a person cannot expect to have a hunger in his heart for the Word of God. The reason for this is they have, their hearts have been filled with the food of this world. And this not only destroys their appetite, but perverts their taste buds. This is the reason why so many of God's children have so little hunger for the Word of God. Why? Can I tell you, it's like raising five kids. On Sunday afternoon, each and every Sunday afternoon, we'll come home and Carrie will have made a, a you know, lunch for us and we'll all sit down as a family. It's so amazing. With all five of our kids, they're, they're, they, they just don't want to eat on Sunday afternoons. It's just so, it doesn't matter what you put in front of them. It's just, they just don't want it. You know why? It's because they've just gotten out of Sunday school. They've just gotten out of junior church. They've just been filled with all kind of crackers and goldfish and, and candy and chocolates and this and that. And, and they come home and they're not ready to eat. Why? They are full. Can I tell you something, friend? You and I are the same way today. We have no hunger for God's Word. We have no hunger for His precepts. We have no hunger for His standards. We have no uh, uh, hunger for, for His perception of our life, for His dreams for us. Why? Because we're full of self, and we're full of pride, and we're full of wants, and we're full of needs, and we're full of desires, and we're full of media, and we're full of a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, or sports, or hobbies. Can I just tell you today... Before you and I can ever have a hunger, there must be this, this placing. There must be this, this, this putting aside to be done with. Well, what do we do? Yeah, you know what? This is really good for him, Brother Shepherd. I'm so glad so-and-so's here. No, look, 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 look. Before you and I just start adding all our preferences, uh, let's just see what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, first of all, there must be this laying aside of, watch now, malice. Malice. Malice means meanness, <laughs> nasty, cruelty. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32 puts it like this. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If you and I are not growing, if there's not that desire, that hunger for the word of God, let me just ask the question, how are we treating others? How are we treating our parents, our friends, our, our enemies? What about our co-workers? What about those that are with us in our room? How are you and I, excuse me, friend, how are we treating others? Even as a Christian, I, I really believe at times, here's what we do. Listen, call us you. Look, I'm going to get to the nitty-gritty, and you've got to listen, because i got a lot to cover, but I'm going to talk fast, book your seatbelt, just hang on for just a moment. Listen, when you and I think about this laying aside malice, this meanness, we, we automatically assume that it's bullies, it's mean, it's cruel, it's, it's awful, it's ugly, it's cuss words, it's wicked, it's dark. Can I just tell you very quickly, if you and I are not careful, we begin to categorize what is not in our life. Oh, good. Brother Shepard, oh, I'm out of this one. That did not include me. Hey, West Coast Baptist College, be careful the way that you treat other college students. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let me help us out this morning. Not everyone grew up in the home that you grew up in. Not everybody grew up in Pash the Pirate Club. Not everybody grew up going to Wana. Not everybody grew up in camps. 
Now, that everybody grew up in, in you know, a Christian home with a mom and dad that loved each other and, and had you in an independent, fundamental Baptist church all of your life. Can I just, let me just, let me just help us for a minute. If we're going to lay aside, let's lay aside. We have some in this college today that are brand new Christians. They haven't been saved for long. Understand that grace teaches new Christians. The Pharisee chastises them. If this makes sense, say amen. amen. No, whoa, 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 listen now. Grace teaches. A Christian helps. Beware of someone who is always pointing out the wrong in everybody else's life. Sometimes we're outright rude when we interact with people. We meet a new college student and think that it's our obligation to point out the splinter in their eye on the first meeting. We get puffed up in self-righteousness when someone doesn't know the Bible as well as we do. We look down on those that do not live up to our preference or our standard as if their attitude, listen, or lack of knowledge in the Word of God is the first thing on God's agenda. Can I help you out this morning? It's not, friend, but love is and grace is and mercy is and Jesus is he wants their heart and friend I'm telling you this morning if religion has you down let me help you today that Jesus is not your accuser he is not your prosecutor he is your friend and he is your rescuer and don't you get shamed into thinking well I can never be or I can never do or I can't no I'm just telling you listen friend today reach out and help those who are not at the level you're well, good grief, they didn't even know the books of the Bible. My word. Can you believe that? Let me run over this room. Tell, they didn't even know where Habakkuk was. Can you believe that? I can see all the books of the Bible and, and under 30 seconds, boy, they can't even name the Old Testament. But friend, I'm just saying, stop. Reach out across the aisle and help that person. Laying aside all malice. Friend, I, I just say it like this to often to people. Don't we have enough to worry about in our own lives than to worry about what everybody else is doing? Well, did you see on the internet this church so-and-so down here, and they did this, they did this, like, like gossiping in sixth grade all over again. <laughs> that song today, that is sinner that's saved. That's you. That's me. There are none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me put it this way. You're training for ministry. If you're training for ministry, say amen. Yeah. It's everybody. Well, I'm a girl. I'm not, you're going to have a ministry. You're going to teach. You're going to be playing the piano. You have a ministry in your home. You've got a ministry. Gentlemen, you've got a ministry. I'm just a music man. I'm just, I'm just, I just do computer work. Excuse me, friend. This is a ministry school. You're training in the ministry. I'm a one-year Bible. Check it out, friend. You're, you're training in the ministry right now. You ought to write this down. Listen very carefully. There is no room in ministry for mean people. Stop. It's laying aside all malice, that nasty, that cruelty. Cruel people do not accomplish much for Christ because they are not like Him. Our Savior was not a cruel person. He's a God of love. He's a God of joy and happiness. He's a God that saved you and I. 
Friend, let me help you. You and I do not deserve heaven, but we get to spend an eternity with our Savior face to face for all of eternity. Why? That's our God. That's our Jesus. That's our Savior. That's our King of kings and Lord of lords. Excuse me. That's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, friend. He's not a cruel God. He's our God, friend. And if you and I truly desire to be like Him, we're not going to be like the disciples that shoo the little kids out of here because they're annoying and they're weird and they didn't grow up like us. And, and we're not going to be like all the townspeople that say, hey, Jesus, I just want to tell you, don't talk to that guy up there in the tree because to be honest with you, he's, he's not a good person. He's ripped the whole town off and, and you, you don't even want to go over there. You don't want to be, look, don't be like those townspeople. Don't be like the disciples in their mind that are thinking, why is God talking to that lady at the well? My goodness, does he not know that is a half-breed dog is what we call it? Does he not know that is a female? That is not a culture. It's friend. Don't be like that. Be like our Savior. Amen. Be like him. Laying aside all malice, watch what it says. Look at your Bible. It says, guile. It says, laying aside all malice and all guile. Guile means to catch with bait. Let me get practical for just a moment. We are not to be, as college students, crafty, sly, or underhanded persons. That means this, live above board, above reproach, sincere. Do you know at West Coast Baptist College, not just because of the college, but because of who saved us, you and I ought to be the most sought-after workers in the workforce. Okay, okay. Look. <laughs> it's easy to hear a message like this, and all of a sudden we start tuning out. Guile, yeah. Okay, Seth, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, it's, oh, it's Guile. We've been here a million times. You know, honestly, come on now. We, we can do better than that. <laughs> look, look. We start hearing a message like this, and we start hearing it's like, okay, good. I'll, Stevie, I'll check it off my checklist. Libby, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I got it. It's good. Yeah, I'm a senior. I got it. You know, Ian, I'm, I'm good. You know, do you know who I am? I've got it. <laughs> okay, you, you want it practical? Austin, here it is. You ought to be truthful in your grades with your teacher. <laughs> It's getting a little uncomfortable in here. What? Yeah. You marked down you did and you didn't. You're a liar. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, do we really have to read all the words in the chapter? I mean, I've pretty much read the chapter title. And can I just mark it off? Did you read? Yep, read. <laughs> Is it really that big of a deal? To God, yes. You're a liar. Oh, you want to bring it down even further? Fine. You want to get to the nitty-gritty? Let's do it. Cause you, I want to help you today because I love you. But if you're at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts and you're buying a donut and coffee and you owe on your bill, you might want to tune into this message for a minute. Sly, crafty, underhanded. You owe somebody and you're stealing from them. Whoa, whoa, we're a shepherd. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a little bit deep. I mean, do you really think? Yes. The foundation that you lay in your life, college student, right now, you will carry in your ministry, in your marriage, in your raising of kids for the rest of your life, period. You don't get a do-over. 
The date of today is October 24th. Can I just tell you this? Newsflash, October 23rd, 2019, you never get back. You don't get a do-over. You don't get a time machine. You don't get to hope. You don't get to wish. You don't find a four-leaf clover. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, it's okay. I'll go back. No, I'm telling you. What you lay in your life right now, those habits you will carry for the rest of your life. Can I tell you, friend, right here at, at a Baptist college, as Christians, as, as lovers of our God, as lovers of Jesus, as, as you and I are striving to be more like Him, can I just say, we ought to, excuse me, we ought to strive, listen now, to be trustworthy people. If the milk in the fridge has somebody else's name on it, it's not yours. Well, somebody help me out with an amen. I thought that would get you. <laughs> The dorm soup said to preach on this today, and I got it in there. It's not your food. Don't touch it. How many want to grow in Christ? Say amen. amen. How are we doing? If you and I are taking these things, if you and I truly are looking at, hey, you know what, malice, I'm a big deal, I'm not that cool person, but I'm talking about guile, I'm just here to tell you, friend, if you and I are taking advantage of someone who has not learned to say no yet, you're a mooch. It's guile. It's crafty. It's underhanded. It's not right. It's to catch with bait, literally in our English language, is what that means. You and I must be trustworthy. If we're going to grow, if we want to desire it, we have to lay aside malice, guile. But look at this. The Bible says, verse number two, it says, newborn, or verse number one, hypocrisies. It's a hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? Well, a hypocrite is one who personates another. It's laying aside the act. <laughs> and friend, let, 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 me just, let me just put it this way. If you're coming to Bible college... To be honest with you, you can fool a lot of people. <laughs> you, can, you can walk in here, you can get your Bible in hand, you've got it together. And, well, you act like you've got it together. You can pretend that you are someone that you are not. But friend, that is what is getting Christianity in trouble today. We should allow the Holy Spirit to live His life in us. That means this, you and I must be real, not hypocritical, not living out something that we are not. In fact, Jesus approached this when He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, uh, if ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness, even so also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of righteousness. Friend, I'm just telling you, when Christ came on the scene, He was dealing with a lot of outward religion, and the same is true in 2019 today. We may have a lot of outward religion, but I'm just asking you, friend, how is our heart? How's your heart? You're not growing in the Lord. Maybe it's because you're fake. <laughs> if there's one thing that Carrie and I have seen, <laughs> I told our homiletics class today, I act sometimes like our ministry is so long, and we've been, I'm only 36, and I've been in the ministry that long, but I have learned one thing in my short time in ministry, and that's this. People, Desire to see 
a realness in other people. Do you know what is a turnoff in culture today? Fake. It's the hashtag of fake news, fake politics, fake people, fake Christianity. It's the same thing that Christ was dealing with when he had his ministry here on this earth. Everybody had it on their white sepulchers. Man, they had their phylacteries on their head. Boy, they had their purple robes. Boy, they, they tied and they put in. Oh, woo, look at me. Look at look how shiny my shoes are. Boy, look at my suit. Look at my big family Bible under my arm. Boy, look at my grace. Boy, look at my hair. Look at my part. Look how good I am. And Christ steps on that scene and says, look, all this outward, I, it may fool others, but it does not fool me. I can see your heart. And the same is true today, friend. You may sit here and you may nod your head, you may amen it, you may be in tune with the message, but I'm telling you, on the outside, everybody on your row thinks, boy, this person is this and this and this, and friend, I hope it's true, but I'm here to tell you, if it's not, the people on your row may never know, but I'm here to tell you, God knows, friend. He sees your heart. You don't have him fooled, and neither does Thomas Shepard. Be real. What do you mean, Brother Shepherd? be real? I mean, the relationship that you show on the outside ought to be because something is happening on the inside. Everybody smile this morning. Smile. Go, smile. Everybody smile. Good, Brother Weaver. Amen. Everybody up here, girl, smile. Some of you are laughing. Smile. Look, if this is weird right now, what's wrong with you? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Smile. A lot of people can fake a smile. But in our life, we ought to smile because we have something on the inside. The Holy Spirit is not fake. It's not a fairy tale. This isn't Disney. It's the Bible. It's real. He lives inside of me. I'm going to see him one day. I'm going to bow before his throne. I'm going to throw crowns at his feet. I'm going to live with him during the millennium and for all of eternity with my Savior friend. I'm just telling you, that's not fake and neither should you and I be. There has to be this laying aside of malice, of guile, of, uh, of being a hypocrite. But watch this. We see also envies. Always wanting what you cannot have. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11 says it this way. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Friend, let me ask you, are you content today? Carrie and I and our family, we play this game, and I don't know why we played it. We played it. We were down in Malibu this uh, uh, past summer. We were driving around and looking at, Carrie and I just love looking at houses, looking at all these mansions. Every summer back uh, in the uh, East Coast, we'd go to Tennessee, and we always rented this cabin right on this, uh, right on this lake. And, man, we just love this lake that we're able to go out on each year. I mean, we did it for probably 10 years straight. And we'd get this boat, this pontoon boat, and we'd, we'd pull in all these little coves on this lake, massive, massive lake. We'd pull in all these coves, and we'd look at these houses, these big massive mansions you know their their garage is like four times the size of our house and we started playing this game and our kids play it now with us too where, where we call it it's called the call it game you know I don't know why we do it like it doesn't mean anything but maybe you still play it or played it where you see a house and you call it like that's my house well that's where I'm gonna live and my kids love it 
because they're always trying to compete, Lois and Tommy, you know, outdo each other. Who's going to get the biggest? Who's going to get the best? Who has the Maserati sitting out front? You know, it's always a big, I call it, I call it, I got that. Oh, that's mine. I call it first. I, call it. I mean, Carrie, we love looking at these houses and we go around and, and I just, <laughs> to be honest with you, there's something, something in me that's just like, wow, that is massive. But in my heart of hearts, I know I'm never going to live in a house like that on this earth. I'm never going to live in a house like that. It's just, unless somebody gives it to me, it's just, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. I'm never, I'm never going to drive a Maserati or a Ferrari. <laughs> like, I just not. I might, I might drive a Mercedes one day. It's 30 years old, okay, and broke down in the garage. But anyways, I just say, just, I just not. <laughs> Bruce Shepard, are you okay with that? Yeah, I am. <laughs> like, I'm really okay with that. Why? You wouldn't take a Ferrari if somebody gave it to you? I'm not going to say it was stupid. I just said I'm, probably not, I'm okay with it, okay? <laughs> Jesus reminded his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said to them, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Understand that Christ is helping us even today, that this world is not our home. This, this place, you're only going to be here for a short time, and you're going to hit the mission field. Can I say, even at my age, as I begin to think, wow, in a couple years, Years, I'm going to be approaching the weird age of 40. I don't even like the thought of that. 40, oh my word, it's so old. It's over the hill and it's black balloons. And Sorry, Dr. R. And then it's, 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 it's way over there. And it's like, it's like and I'm thinking like, wow, my goodness, i got to start saving. i got to do this. i got to do this. Can I just tell you, like in 50 years, most likely, I am not even going to be here. My investment is not here. And for some of you, you will never be happy with the sincere milk of the word because you're always looking at greener grass somewhere else. Let me just help you, not from Thomas Shepard, but even go back to Ecclesiastes. Let, let the wisest man who ever lived just help you out. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. You know what that means? It's a big stinking nothing. Chase the car, chase the dream, chase the money, chase the, the, the corporate ladder. Chase what, what you want. It's my dream and it's my aspiration. Can I just tell you, if you continue to chase your dream, friend, listen to me very carefully, you can chase it for the rest of your life and you will never be satisfied. Contentment comes when you and I start to lay aside. You know what? It's not all about me. Whoa, I said, excuse me, it's not all about me. It's all about him. I hope by now, one year Bible college students, you've started to figure out it's not about one year. It's about him. It's not about putting God in a box and, well, if God doesn't move in this time, I, I guess he just doesn't move. Excuse me, friend. I don't read anywhere in the word of God where he goes by our timing what we want. In fact, his timing, just excuse me, friend, his timing is always best. And if you and I truly want to grow, we have got to get rid of some things. What is it? Well, it's guile. It's, it's this hypocritical life. It's this malice. It's this, it's this envy. I want, I want, I want, I desire. Listen to this. Watch what the Word of God says here. Open it up. Don't, don't, don't just wait a minute. Just wait. Watch what it says. It says hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings. Now listen, I'll be done here in just a moment, but you've got to tune in. Evil speakings is speaking down to another person, 
to slander them, to talk about them behind their back. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, that your reward shall be great and you shall be children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Let me help you out today. The tongue can hurt people. Friend, I'm just telling you in the dorm, your tongue can be the direct reason of why when we hit winter break, somebody doesn't come back to West Coast Baptist College. And they missed out on God's will for their life because of your evil, stinking tongue. Brother Shepherd, I thought you were so nice. And I thought, oh my word, that's just so mean. Can I tell you something? The things that some people say about others, it's downright wicked. It's gossip and it does not belong in the life, the heart, or the mouth of a Christian. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Watch what we say. Insinuation hurts the testimony of other Christians. Well, I heard Somebody starts a sentence like that. Hey, come here. i got to tell you something. Look, I heard. Somebody says that. I heard you. And you say, stop. No, no, listen. No, this is. This, this, you are going to want to hear this. I heard. Nope, don't want to hear it. You know why? Most likely it's going to be gossip. Somebody steps to you in ministry. You're going to have it. Gentlemen, if you're a preacher, you're going to have it over and over and over. I've told you hundreds of times. Somebody's going to come to you and say, well, people have been talking. And, and uh, no, people haven't been talking. Somebody's ready to gossip right there. Stop. Watch this. If you and I want to have a sincere desire to grow, there must be the giving up of sins. But secondly, this point will be fast, but watch. There must be the growing of the saint. Look at verse number two. As the newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Newborn babes. The idea, in fact, is, is the word is, is emphatic. It means that you and I should have this intense desire. This word sincere, it's unadulterated, it's pure. The word of God is not like the, the worldly teachings or the philosophy of today. It's a desire, uh, it's the, the, the desire is not to be watered down or perverted in its theology. It's, it's an intense desire to grow in the word. That means this, listen, it is gross. Growing as the saint is this, it is a spiritual progress. <laughs> I'm fine. It's not a spiritual progress. No, I'm okay. I'll be all right. No, 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 that's not how it works. There is the growing of the saint, but watch. And lastly, there is the grace of the Savior. Verse number three says this. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't close your Bibles. I have a couple minutes, so just, just wait. Hold on. Have you ever at the end of a long day, <laughs> like you've worked really hard? Like, I mean, a blue crew type of day where you're setting up and you're taking down and it's ladies' conference and you can't wait for it to be over and you're setting up this, you're taking down, and you've had this long day and you are starving <laughs> have you ever had this long day and you go home or you go somewhere and somebody opens up? I mean, you, you literally could eat anything. And they open up 
that pizza box. And the steam comes out. It is, oh, you can't wait to get that all meat pizza. No pineapples, disgusting. No, no vegetables, we're not rabbits. <laughs> all meat pizza, boom, in your mouth. Have you ever had the worst day ever and your roommate, their alarm, they're that type of person where they set their alarm and it goes off 10 times, they hit snooze like five, six, seven, eight times. You want to kill them. You ever had that kind of morning? It's gone off, gone off, gone off. Finally, you get a pillow, you wake them up, get out, and you just have this worst morning. Now you're up, fine, I'll get ready. And you go over, and whether it's the, a coffee shop or, you know, maybe even at home, you got this Keurig, you put that pot in, slam it down, you hit the, you know, venti baby, and you want the biggest one. And that thing just begins to drip out that coffee. It's just dripping out. Next thing you know, you put a little creamer in there and you get it. And I don't know why, especially girls, they always hold their coffee like this. Like the first one, it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is perfect. I don't know. Don't take a picture right now. But anyway, hey, take this picture. And, and then some of you reach your phone, put your phone up. And they get it and then, and then you smell it. <sighs> and you take your first sip. <sighs> so good. How about, <laughs> next level. How about the first time you open up? The eggnog. Oh. And you're so excited that the carton won't open right. <laughs> and then you're, you're sticking a fork down in it. <laughs> and you pour it. Oh, and you don't, no, no ma'am, you don't pour it. You pour it. And it, it just like, it's just... Uh, Praise Jesus, Jehovah Jireh. It's good. It's good. Remember, taste it. You see it? Have you tasted Jesus? Oh. Psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jeremiah said, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, and I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The psalmist penned, thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant, watch the word here, loveth it. When you and I begin to taste Jesus, oh, it is so good. When you and I begin to taste the word, when you and I begin to see his precepts, when you and I begin to experience his love and his joy, when you and I begin to see that, man, it is God who, who graciously gave his life for you and I, when you and I begin to fully comprehend that the God in heaven came as, as a little baby in a manger and had a ministry and died and stretched out his arms thinking of you sitting right here today 2,000 years later when we begin to think about that love and, and that, that peace and that joy and that, that happiness and that fulfillment that God gives us. Can I tell you, friend, listen, there is no eggnog or coffee or pizza that even comes close to the joy and the, 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 the taint, the wonderful life that our Savior gives you and I. 
Do you hunger for him? Why, why, why do we get on the edge of our seat talking about food? And somebody talks about the king of kings. We daydream all the way through it. Somebody cusses our God and we don't even care. Do you want to grow? Do you know him? Have you tasted him? Oh, oh, he is so gracious. <laughs>